Letter fifteen of Clarissa Harlowe, volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe, volume four by Samuel Richardson. Letter fifteen. Mr. Belford to Robert Lovelace, Esquire, Edgware, Tuesday night, May second. Without staying for the promised letter from you to inform us what the lady says of us, I write to tell you that we are all of one opinion with regard to her, which is, that there is not of her age a finer woman in the world, as to her understanding. As for her person, she is at the age of bloom, and an admirable creature, a perfect beauty. But this poorer praise, a man who has been honoured with her conversation, can hardly descend to give, and yet she was brought amongst us contrary to her will. Permit me, dear Lovelace, to be a mean of saving this excellent creature from the danger she hourly runs, from the most plotting heart in the world. In a former, I pleaded your own family, Lord M.'s wishes particularly, and then I had not seen her. But now I join her sake, honour's sake, motives of justice, generosity, gratitude, and humanity, which are all concerned in the preservation of so fine a woman. Thou knowest not the anguish I should have had, whence arising I cannot devise, had I not known before I set out this morning that the incomparable creature had disappointed thee in thy cursed view of getting her to admit the specious Partington for a bedfellow. I have done nothing but talk of this lady ever since I saw her. There is something so awful, and yet so sweet, in her aspect, that were I to have the virtues and the graces all drawn in one piece, they should be taken, every one of them, from different airs and attributes in her. She was born to adorn the age she was given to, and would be an ornament to the first dignity. What a piercing, ge gentle eye! Every glance, I thought, mingled with love and fear of you. What a sweet smile, darting through the cloud that overspread her fair face, demonstrating that she had more apprehensions and grief at her heart than she cared to express. You may think what I am going to write too flighty, but by my faith I have conceived such a profound reverence for her sense and judgment, that, far from thinking the man excusable who should treat her basely, I am ready to regret that such an angel of a woman should even marry. She is, in my eye, all mind, and were she to meet with a man all mind likewise, why should the charming qualities she is mistress of be endangered? Why should such an angel be plunged so low as into the vulgar offices of a domestic life? Were she mine, I should hardly wish to see her a mother, unless there were a kind of moral certainty that minds like hers could be propagated. For why, in short, should not the work of bodies be left to mere bodies? I know that you yourself have an opinion of her little less exalted. Belton, Mowbray, Tourville are all of my mind, are full of her praises, and swear it would be a million of pities to ruin a woman in whose fall none but devils can rejoice. What must that merit and excellence be which can extort this from us, free livers, like yourself, and all of your just resentments against the rest of her family, and offered our assistance to execute your vengeance on them, but we cannot think it reasonable that you should punish an innocent creature who loves you so well, and who is in your protection, and has suffered so much for you, for the faults of her relations. And here let me put a serious question or two. Thinkest thou, truly admirable as this lady is, that the end thou proposest to thyself, if obtained, is answerable to the means, to the trouble thou givest thyself, and to the perfidies, tricks, stratagems, and contrivances thou hast already been guilty of, and still meditatest. In every real excellence she surpasses all her sex, but in the article thou seekest to subdue her for, a mere sensualist, 
a partington a horton a martin would make a sensualist a thousand times happier than she either will or can sweet are the joys that come with willingness and wouldst thou make her unhappy for her whole life and thyself not happy for a single moment hitherto it is not too late and that perhaps is as much as can be said if thou meanest to preserve her esteem and good opinion as well as person for i think it is impossible she can get out of thy hands now she is in this accursed house oh that damned hypocritical sinclair as thou callest her how was it possible she should behave so speciously as she did all the time the lady stayed with us be honest and marry and be thankful that she will condescend to have thee if thou dost not thou wilt be the worst of men and wilt be condemned in this world and the next as i am sure thou oughtest and shouldest too wert thou to be judged by one who never before was so much touched in a woman's favour and whom thou knowest to be thy partial friend j belford our companions consented that i should withdraw to write to the above effect they can make nothing of the characters we write in and so i read this to them they approve of it and of their own motion each man would set his name to it i would not delay sending it for fear of some detestable scheme taking place thomas belton richard mowbray james tourville just now are brought me both yours i vary not my opinion nor forbear my earnest prayers to you in her behalf notwithstanding her dislike of me End of letter 15